Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Blaster Cannon, Den of Geeks, Star Wars, and Expanded Universe podcast. This month, we have some surprising live-action television news, diverse book releases, and a conversation about the first few episodes of the animated series, Star Wars Resistance. Now, uh, Resistance has been, as with many things in Star Wars, polarizing, some fans claiming that it's too childish and some embracing its bright colors and action-adventure racing aesthetic. So we're going to kind of talk about both sides of that and go over the episodes that are out so far. We will have spoilers for the episodes up until the Children from Tehar, which I believe is episode uh, five, six... (laughs) But Excuse me, it's Tahar. From Tahar, thanks, I'm Paul. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> it's Tahar. No, I think. Yeah, so, I think you're right. It's Tahar. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there and be obnoxious. I'm sorry. I'm good at that. Oh, I, I apologize. Hate Star Wars. <laughs> uh, well, so for those who are new, who haven't listened before, or who want need a refresher, um, these are my fine hosts, Paul. And Seth. So we are gonna. There will be spoilers later in the episode, and but for now we're gonna start with our usual overview of Star Wars movie and book news. There is a lot of TV news right now, including a rather unexpected announcement of a Cassian Andor TV show coming to live action, and I love this. Um, I did not expect to see a Rogue One era. Star Wars show announced with a character who has become uh, one of the beloved characters from Rogue One, which was one of my favorite Star Wars uh, movies in the recent era. Uh, This show is described as a rousing spy thriller, which will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. The release date has not yet been announced. I think that the description of restoring hope to the galaxy is a particularly interesting one, considering that Cassian, in his role as a rebel spy, was a kind of a rough-and-tumble character. He was introduced in Rogue One as shooting an ally, and I, I liked him a lot. I liked that whole cast a lot, but this seems to me like it will lead toward a... You know, it won't. It's not a Poe Dameron show. It's not. We'll always have light. It's gonna be more of a thriller, more of a look into maybe the the criminal underworld of Star Wars. Um. So, what do you two think about this? Zap, go ahead. Okay. I really hope K two's in it. I mean, I'm really excited about Cassian as well, but I really <laughs> hope K two's in it because Cassian and K two together are really funny. Uh, and I really enjoy their dynamic, and I would love to see more of that. I yeah, I didn't expect this at all. At all. Cassian was, like, not one of the people I thought would get a TV show. Not anyone from Rogue One, because it's kind of 
a waved off movie a lot of the time, even though it's so good. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. It's it kind of goes to show, I guess, that even though Solo maybe not didn't do what uh, Lucasfilm wanted, um, they're not gonna necessarily stop bringing in other cool characters for future stuff, which I'm happy about. Maybe don't touch like the big three, but bad characters like Cassie and absolutely, I want to see more of them. Immediately when this announcement came out, a lot of people on Twitter were saying, well, we can include so many other characters. You know, people immediately started listing. Uh, I, I think maybe we'll see Ahsoka. I think maybe we'll see Hera, et cetera, et cetera. And that to me is actually kind of proof of a reason why Cassian is a good character for this because he is working in the rebellion and has a lot of connection as uh, as fulcrum to other characters that we've seen in other media. That also kind of explains why this isn't Jin's story because Jin, for most of her life, was either with Saw Gerrera's team or on her own. Hers was not a story of the rebellion until she joined Rogue One. But by following Cassian, we do get a story that maybe includes Mon Mothma, maybe includes um, some of what we've seen in terms of the uh, the kind of gathering of resources like we've seen in Rebels, gathering um, people that will are part of disparate groups like the ghost group that are not connected to one another yet. So, Paul, what did you think when you first heard about this? I was blown away. I Just like a lot of people, I don't think we all were expecting another Star Wars TV show being announced so quick while they're filming the first one they're doing. But obviously, and I've been saying this a lot on, on this podcast, on other podcasts for a while now, that the future of Star Wars, I think, is mainly on TV. And I think we're seeing now... Uh, things like this, the Mandalorian and, and the Cassian TV series that we normally wouldn't see maybe on theatrically because it is, let's be real, these characters and, you know, Mandalorians and Cassian are a niche market. Uh, Rogue One was a Star Wars film that was, again, the second Star Wars film after, um, or excuse me, released by Disney. It was the second one right after The Force Awakens was, you know, after before that was 10 years before we got another Star Wars film. And people were, were writing high on that. And it, plus, it's arguably, again, in my opinion, the best Star Wars movie to come out of Disney and maybe one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. So, Very much agreed. Um, yeah. But yes. the, at the same time, the Cassian character wasn't – I mean, I love the character. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like he was like this, this standout, like – you know, everyone loved him and everyone was clamoring for a, a, a Cassian and or movie or something like that. No, no, no. This is something a lot different. This is something that they can take that people liked and and show the all of Star Wars fans and go, hey, we're going to have a Cassian Andor series. And they're going to go, sweet, that's a great idea. And it's a TV show. And you don't have to put, you know, the same kind of clout and maybe I'm not saying budget's not the right word, but. Um, the expectations don't have to be as high for it to succeed. You know what I mean? Because this is a different animal that it's on. It's on the streaming network service of Disney. This is not a film that has to gross, you know, X amount of dollars in order for them to justify and make their budget back and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. This is something that's totally different. You're now, and again, I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to understand business because I'm not a business person. I'm more of a creative person. But at the same time, I'm going to say that obviously that there is a prime, there is, 
Disney knows they're going to make a lot of money and the future of television and the future of entertainment is streaming on your own exclusive service like a Netflix, like a Hulu, and you need to have this, these series ready to go. And not just series, because we've already got one, right? We have The Mandalorian, which we'll talk about more in a second. But we have that, but you also need something for for people to get and recognize immediately. And honestly, it's a pretty genius move, in my opinion, because this is essentially what we we all kind of thought Star Wars Rebels was going to be before we found out there's going to be a Jedi in it, if that makes any sense. Huh. This is, this is going to be point. like this is going to be the rebellion. This is not going to be this is a rebel cell and we're going to have, you know, this is my nephew Stinky and he's going to run around and he's going to, you know, I'm going to teach him Wait, how to do this. Are we talking about the Clone Wars now? And I, I was making something up, like being <laughs> funny. But, but but like even Jin isn't going to be anywhere near it. Right. I mean, maybe, but right now it doesn't seem like it. And Jin even had that sort of Jedi connection with the Kyber crystal necklace. And this is not that. I think you bring yeah. up. Two interesting points from the business perspective, one of which is Star Wars marketing as a whole, and one of which is Star Wars moves in the television space right now. And um, I think related to both The Mandalorian and The Cassian Show, which so far, I keep, it, it doesn't have a title other than it's been called The Cassian Show, which to me sounds like a late night talk show. So I kind of laugh every time I say it. But, um, the Cassian show will be, uh, could be supported by ILM's new visual effects group for TV. Um, there was an announcement on, um, in the first week of November that ILM will be starting a new division called, appropriately enough, ILM TV, which is attached to, um, the second season of a show on sci-fi called Krypton, as well as the Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. Um, The Verge reported on this on uh, November 7th is the article that I'm citing now. So I think this is really interesting because to me, uh, obviously, ILM has a huge impact on Star Wars. You cannot separate them. It brings special effects knowledge. It brings computer generation knowledge that is just unprecedented when it comes to Hollywood and to Star Wars. And they're going to bring that to TV, which to me is a sign of this kind of larger trend that's going on now where TV is actively competing with film. And it's competing, not like it's going to compete eventually, but like we are there now. And ILM starting this division just uh, reinforces that. I don't know whether they're going to work on the Cassian show, but it does seem like a very natural connection. And they are definitely working on The Mandalorian. To follow up with some of you're talking about, too, is that ILM's going to be working on this and it's going to be, you know, special effects aren't are going to be on as top notch as the films. I think that's a given. But I think if Game of Thrones has shown anything is that you can have great looking effects and make it be cinematic and still make it somewhat on the cheap. I mean, granted, like the last season is Game of Thrones. I know you guys don't watch Game of Thrones now, but the last season had lots and lots and lots of effects on it. And it and looked that's, great. That's why I say it's competing already. It's not like right, that's a right, new right. thing, really. I think Game right. of Thrones and maybe even like, I don't know, we could go back to the Sopranos, maybe uh, oh, that competition has been so starting for a long time. God, I love Sopranos. It's one of my favorite TV shows ever. God, I love that show. Um, but the thing is with what I think is interesting about Cassian's specific thing is that 
to me, you can have a lot more sets. And what I mean by that is that a lot more practicality, just like with the Mandalorian too. I think they've, from what we're seeing, they're being smart about it. They're being very practical. We're not going to see a lot of space travel, I think, in these films, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and I'll be happy if I'm wrong. I would love to see space battles a ton, but I just don't see it happening. And one of the things that I think is interesting about this casting series is that it's based, and again, in the rebellion for a reason, because that's what people are more familiar, the most familiar with. And I think that they want to have that familiar, the familiar, a familiarity. I cannot yeah. talk. And that goes and, into the branding aspect, exactly. which I definitely want to talk about. But I also want to hear Saf's uh, thoughts about the kind of in-universe ideas. What do you think about um, whether we'll see other characters, whether we'll other like why they chose this era? And then, Paul, I want you to return to that and talk about um, the recogn- recognition aspect. Yeah, I think a large reason they chose this era is because it is quite, you know, a well-known kind of thing. The Rebels are beloved and kind of ubiquitous amongst Star Wars. Like, even the Resistance, like, people kind of know what it is, but it just kind of seems like the new Rebels. Having it with Cassian, because it's before, you know, the original trilogy starts, kind of gives them space to branch out more in the area between the prequels and the original trilogy. Uh, they still got quite a few gaps in when it comes to, you know, like, Rebel stuff, like, Rebels itself didn't really give us a huge amount in that era um, that wasn't directly related to, like, Lethal and the Ghost Crew. Um, and, yeah, it kind of it does give them an opportunity to tie a lot of characters together through Cassian just because, you know, yeah, he is linked to Ahsoka and he, like, is linked to the Death Star just because of, like, Jin later on and there's Mon Mothma and he's, like, pretty high up because of being a spy. I think he has a really good choice for, like, those reasons. Cool. So, Paul, tell me about your feelings about the branding and the recognizability aspect of both of these shows. Well, I think that with Mandalorian, I think it's a little bit more driven because of Jon Favreau. The branding there is you got great looking costumes with the Mandalorians. And I think the the marketability of having Mandalorians would sell toys and everything. And again, this is this is the reason that Disney bought Lucasfilm in the first place was to make these things churn out content so they can sell a crap load of toys, a crap load of dressers with Star Wars things on them or stickers and all that extra merchandising. That's why they bought Star Wars. These things, obviously the films make lots and lots of money and whatnot, but these TV shows are to drive what the reason they were making the films, so many films in the first place was to make tons and tons of merchandise for us to buy. And it works because I buy a lot of it. It's definitely slowed down because of one, it's just exhausting that they had a, a movie coming out every year that I wanted to buy and get tons of figures for. And it really hurt it when we had the, uh, what do you call it? Um, I'm sorry. We had last Jedi and Han Solo really close together. And it hurt because I was like, I just spent a bunch of money on, on last Jedi. And I'm like, I just don't know if I want to blow a bunch of money on Han Solo stuff. And it, it even though I love Solo 1,000 times more than uh, Last Jedi, I didn't buy as much Han Solo stuff because, one, I was kind of burned out of buying so much stuff. And then, two, it just also was harder to find because there was you know less product out there. So what I think is interesting what they're going to do with this is that they've got the Mandalorian. They're going to – they can maybe slowly – shove out merchandise based on that because it's 
it's a streaming service thing. So they can kind of advertise it and then it can kind of develop a following over time and it'll get a buzz and you can kind of put out, you know, you're going to have multiple seasons, I'm assuming. So you can put out merchandise potentially a little before, a little bit afterwards and keep it going and kind of gauge the interest of the audience and see what, what is exactly hot and what's not. And then maybe it will help people um, in the, again, I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but maybe it would help the, the, the companies making products that for the sale to sell and they could, you know, the license this stuff and they can kind of better idea what they want to pick and choose what they want to go with instead as of like, as far as you know, has there been any conversation about whether these series are going to be once a week or whether they're going to drop like some of the Netflix series all at once? I have, there's been no, there's been no sign of that. And to be honest, guys, I really think they're not going to do a whole binge thing. I think if they're and honestly, I wouldn't blame them if they're smart. They drop like maybe two, three episodes initially, and then they slow burn it because I know Hulu now with the purchase of Fox, they own majority of Hulu. Now they do that. They don't. I don't. As far as I know, they don't release episodes all at once. They kind of re- release like two or three and then they kind of put out once a week. I know they did. I, at least they did that with did that with Runaways. I kind of think with Star Wars, you want to keep that specialness and keep that going once a week. I take a whole binge worthy show too, but I think to get the people on board the Disney streaming service, you give a bunch of episodes of, uh, up front and then you slow burn it as you go. That mm-hmm. way people can, you know, get on the service, they spend their money and they get that buzz going and they get that game of Thrones feel. Cause I'll be honest, like I'm a big game of Thrones fan. I love when the episode drops, everyone's talking about it right afterwards, mm-hmm. like rebels, right? Like we all did that for rebels, but for me, it's like take rebels, but amplify it by a lot more. And that's what game of Thrones is. Everyone's talking about it. You have instant, like, podcast reactions for game of thrones and and like i'll be honest like i'm ready to do that for the mandalorian and it's gonna happen and i think that's what they're gonna probably do on the the streaming service and it only makes sense because they're putting a lot of money in the mandalorian and i think that let's hypothetically say that the mandalorian doesn't get good buzz because it kind of falters like a netflix show like a kind of like like a luke cage i like luke cage the first season but a lot of people agree with me that once it hit that last like four or five episodes, it really dragged and it got a lot of negative buzz after that. And if Star Wars with how like heightened it is, if it gets a bad buzz out the gate or even if it's like it starts off strong, but it kind of falls off, then that's not going to be good for the series, in my opinion. So that I kind of me a little bit to the part that I wanted to bring up, which was sure. about the Star Wars brand as a whole. So I think even still, if you say to someone, you know, anyone, um, this is, you know, what do you think of when you think of Star Wars? They usually think of the main three trilogy characters or often the masked characters like Darth Vader or C-3PO. These shows, while they're like works of art in their own right, they're also a vehicle to point people toward that central imagery and that like central brand, right? So that you can sell more Darth Vader masks and etc. We talked about this a little bit when we were doing our Last Jedi episode about this aspect of uh, the movies being the tentpole and other things uh, surrounding them. And I think that we're seeing that kind of prediction stay true with these TV shows, partially because they are keeping to that rebellion imagery and that will then 
push people to the original trilogy as well as as you said to push them to purchase you know the new things the new collectibles there are, we're in such an era of unique collectibles right now that if you want something from the cassian show it's probably going to be out there yeah no it, it, exactly it's, i'm sorry Seth, were you going to say something no, it's all good. You you two are covering this so good. <laughs> <laughs> I do just, want to yeah. be careful not to repeat ourselves because I think we have talked a lot about this kind of the, the way sure. this branding works before. But what we're now seeing that we didn't have in The Last Jedi is these other series start to actually crop up and, and to be real. And I do think that's very cool that like the live action series are real and I'm, I'm ready to be really excited about them. Kind of on that note, the, we do have an image from the Mandalorian. The first image from the set was revealed back in October 4th, but I think it was just after our last episode, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I wanted to make sure to, to bring up that this image was available. That just shows, you know, the, the Mandalorian character in this brown bronze armor it has a great, you know, very Star Wars, very most Eisley kind of background. And uh, it's pretty cool. And we still don't know who that is inside that armor. <laughs> there were two major casting rumors that came out in the last couple weeks. Um, one was a report that Pedro Pascal was cast as the lead. He has been in Game of Thrones, and he has been in uh, Narcos. I'm not very familiar with him, so I don't really have too much to say about this, except that I guess that would answer the question of whether it is a man or a woman in the armor. And the other report was about Gina Carano, who is an MMA fighter who was in Deadpool and Fast and Furious 6. She's also rumored to be part of the cast of The Mandalorian, as, you know, we don't know who. I think someone with an MMA skill set and, you know, acting, uh, doing stunts skill set would be very suitable for a Mandalorian character, whether that's the, the lead character or not. But these are all just reports right now. They're, they haven't been officially confirmed. They've been in large outlets, but they have not been confi- officially confirmed. So that's about all I have to say about those. I don't, I'm not familiar with either of them. Uh, so do, do either of you two have like major thoughts about those? Pedro Pascal is really cool. When I was still watching Game of Thrones, he was in that, and I was like, he's amazing. I love him. He's, he's such a sweetheart. I think it would be really cool to have him in Star Wars. Yeah, I, I loved him in Game of Thrones. He's, he played um, one of the Martells and, uh, or what's it, I forgot his last name. I think it's something like that. Um, he's one of the Sand Snakes and he, the, his name was a Viper. That's all, that's all I remember his name being. And I loved him in the book and I've also liked him in the in the film or the character in the book. And then I he totally brought that character to life and was great. And one of the things I had ever seen Narcos and I heard Narcos is great as well. The, the actress who, pl- who got cast recently was in Deadpool and she was good. She played, she didn't have a big role in Deadpool and she didn't talk a lot. It was mostly an action role. And that's what I think maybe I'm not saying she doesn't have a, a talking role in this film or the series at all, but I kind of feel that I'm assuming the Mandalorian is about one, the main character. And, and I'm assuming Pedro Pascal is, is the main character. I don't think it would be her because she's not exactly a seasoned act- actor. And she's, Pedro... she's the Ray Park of exactly. Modern, I, I where think she mostly does stunts and doesn't talk. Doesn't mean she couldn't be a Mandalorian and have armor. I, I, who knows, right? That'd I mean, be very cool if she was. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know, but if there's more, I'm assuming there's more than one Mandalorian, but maybe there's not. I don't know. But I just think that if you're going to cast someone in as, in their, and you have, you already put out the picture of their armor, it's probably of like someone who has, of a, a, you know, you're putting your, your lot of confidence in. And not that you couldn't put confidence in her, but Pedro Pascal is obviously a very, very good actor. And he is, he's awesome. And so I, I just think that that probably is him and who knows who she's playing. But like, I, like you said, Megan, she's obviously there to kind of fulfill that Ray Park role. She's probably going to be some kind of physical like presence on the show. And whatever that is, I can't wait to see it because she did leave a mark in Deadpool. I thought it was interesting. And I'm always here for more mentions of Taras Kasi in Star Wars, and now that Taras Kasi <laughs> is officially canon again, maybe she can do that. So great, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be that'd be awesome. So I, I I saw she was cast. I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, let's let's keep it let's keep it going. I think it's weird that they're not announcing the whole cast. And it was, I thought it was also weird that people were saying like, oh, it's he hasn't Pedro Pascal hasn't signed on officially. I'm like, guys, this thing's been filming for like almost two months. There's no way he's not on the – if it's if Variety's reported – and I know they put, like, he's still in negotiations. I'm like, no, this is wrong because he has to to be. They've been filming, and, like – and the show is supposed to come out next year, right? Yeah. I saw some people mention that, too. Like, how is it filming without a main actor right now? And is it or is it not, or are they just keeping it very quiet? I I imagine, you know, they are very good at secrecy. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I kind of think that like this is what's going on is that he he's been filming, I'm assuming, for a while because it's not like they're doing test footage for two months. Like they're this is, you know, we've seen set reports with John Favreau and Dave Filoni hanging out together on on set. So this is this is legit. Who knows? But yeah, I I I think it's it's a it's obviously a done deal. I, I'm always like a fan of the whole wait till Star Wars announces it officially, but like in this case Variety's usually on the ball with these things and also everything you've said. Can we just take a moment? Take a moment to appreciate that Taika Waititi is directing an episode. Just just a moment yes. for that. Because That's, I am so yes. excited. I like started crying when I saw that news. That is very good and I'm very excited for it. I also think he's playing a character in it or something. I don't remember if that was like actually in there if somebody mentioned it, but I feel like it was. I certainly I hope wanna, so. I want to see him in Star Wars so bad. That's Yes, that's extremely good. And <laughs> as was mentioned previously, Dave Filoni is on board to direct, I believe, the first episode. So that's, yeah. that's coming too. It's going to be interesting. There's, there's a, they've got a really good lineup of directors for this show, and I'm really excited. Like, they do. When Favreau was talking about, um, back when they first announced it, and people were like, it's another white dude. And he was like, okay, wait, but I am trying to get a diverse like crew working on it. He wasn't lying. Like he actually did go out and like get diverse like directors for this, um, which is really cool to see. Oh, I agree. Totally. So let's talk about book releases. There were a couple of releases in October and there was a new announcement of a book for next year. So I'm particular had a lot of fun reading Lando's Luck by Justina Ireland, which I received as part of the uh, one of the Disney publishing panels at New York Comic-Con. Um, it is out now. It came out on October 2nd. It's a sort of a middle grade novel about a princess who decides to go with Lando on an excursion to help some people out along the way. So Lando's luck is a lot of fun. I really liked uh, L3's dialogue in it, and some of it was like laugh out loud funny. 
So it was pretty good. And then uh, the other one that I wanted to be sure to highlight was Women of the Galaxy by Amy Ratcliffe, which is an illustrated guidebook with many, many artists contributing to draw the Women of the Galaxy. I will admit that I have not read this cover to cover. Uh, Mostly I've looked at the pretty art, but I do plan (laughs) on uh, reading the entries soon. And I think uh, Amy has a great background in, in journalism and a great passion for Star Wars. I think this book is just very beautiful. It's a it's a coffee table book, right? It's a work of art with a lot of different art styles in it. Um, the artists also, I know for a fact, had a very short amount of time to do their work in. So, like, props to them for hitting their deadlines. And I think it's really cool that Amy's done this. And I hope to see more guides of some kind or another from her in the future. Yeah, I haven't managed to get my hands on it yet. But I'm so excited to have that one on my shelf because it's just, it looks so gorgeous and also I'm so proud of Amy because she's amazing um and there's just some really good artists in there that I like artists that I follow and know of and there's also like a bunch of amazing artists that I don't even know of yet I'm so excited to read it yes and the artists are all staff correct me if I'm wrong on this they're all women and non-binary people yeah I think so yeah so that's the art looks the art looks amazing, and it's. I would love more guides that like are specific for whatever, whether it be Women of the Galaxy or, you know, Droids of the Galaxy, you know, or something like that. Like, I mean, I I love like all that stuff that you know where it focuses on like one particular whatever, and with this, like, it looks really cool. You know, I just there's a lot of things I unfortunately need to buy. I would love to get my hands on that as eventually at some point. I want I want a book like this, but it's Droids of the Galaxy. How now that, that you said that, that cool, right? I right? Want that so bad. Or okay, so Saf, you can write oh, that one, and I can write yeah, Aliens of the Galaxy, and they will also a, be mostly uh, composed of female characters, <laughs> and it will be good. <laughs> but, but no, but seriously though, I mean, like it's 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 a really, I mean, I love the idea of narrowing the like the the. the the, uh, this is not the right word, scope or whatever, I guess. I'm not trying to belittle the book or anything like that, but like I love the, the narrowing of, of a particular thing and saying, hey, let's expand on this and show you how many like different characters there are. And like I said, the art looks gorgeous. I was like, dang, man. It's it's well, worth it on that One of the things that enabled this book is that there are so many female characters in the new canon right now. This number of characters wouldn't necessarily have been possible before. It's not exhaustive, but... I'm glad that that they are highlighting women. And I also definitely have that kind of instinct of like, oh, cool, an organized list of things that's just appealing to me. (laughs) Um, But I also, on a more personal level, think it's really cool that they're highlighting women and female characters and non-binary people. So let's talk about Alphabet Squadron. This was a pretty interesting announcement for a new uh, military-focused tie-in novel. It is coming out in June. Saf, why don't you read the blurb for that? Because we recently, we knew this book was coming out, but recently got a reveal of the full blurb. On the verge of victory in what seemed an endless war, five former rebel pilots transform from hunted to hunters as they strike out against the vestiges of the Empire. Set after Return of the Jedi, Alphabet Squadron follows a unique team, each flying a different class of starfighter as they struggle to end the war once and for all. Cool. And it is going to be a while until we have the next Star Wars book. Queen's Shadow is coming out in... March from Disney Publishing, Master and Apprentice in April, and then Alphabet Squadron in June. So got a little while to wait for that. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But they are all on their way. Obviously, we are huge fans of Twilight Company here. So, well, Saf and I are. So, you guys are? Yeah, I, you, yeah. I didn't, oh, you might not have heard that i don't know Reed? if we mentioned Who's that? that is that free Freebird? is that his name yeah that's the one <laughs> so uh the, of course i oh, kind of Freebird? expect this to be in a similar vein of like that oh, i'm so excited for this yeah so that's so, like military I, focus so some people have been saying that they think this is a tie-in to resistance or that it might have some connections to resistance mm, mm, no i don't think so i don't think i have any tie no but, it feels it feels weird having an adult novel as a tie-in for a kids show. Yeah, or a specific kids show. Agreed. No, I good point. I don't like. I like the idea. I hate the name. I hate the name. It's so bad. I'm sorry. No, I like, hated the name of Inferno Squad too. So not or not hated. Found too silly. <laughs> I, I also find the name of this one to be sort of silly. Yeah, it's a little silly. It's, hey, boy, guys, let's get on the alphabet squadron. Y-wing, X-wing, A-wing, and I'm the U-wing. And it's like, it's that's what it feels like. Don't forget the B-wing. And I'm the B-wing. It's, it's, to me, it's, to me, here's the deal. It feels like they're going to form, like, Voltron or something like that. Like, the (laughs) alphabet squadron. Best Voltron novel ever, though. Yeah, I, 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 whatever. But here's the thing. I like the idea. Can we change the name, Lucasfilm? I mean, come on. I'm, no offense to anyone who came up with that name. I understand it's very literal, but can we get, like, a cooler name? Like, you could call it, like, Badass Squad, and it'd be still better than Alphabet Squad. No, and that's almost I, as worse. I don't, so, would that be allowed? I don't think that would be allowed. Um, they, say, they say ass in Star Wars and Han Solo. When it, when it comes out, we'll have to... Come come up with another name for it. I will, and I'm gonna. They should should hire me. They should hire me to come up with names for them because I'm awesome at it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about. I'm actually excited to read the book because I love I love spaceships. So I'm I'm down with that. Even though I will say it's hard for me to understand what's going on when they people write them and stuff. So that's why I always feel like they're better in comics or. Uh, more of a visual medium but that's just me but i'm i'm still excited to read about it because i want to see my y-wing just blow you know just blow things up like a boss you know so um i'm ex- obviously excited for the obi-wan kenobi and um you know master and apprentice book i'm still not excited about almadala whatsoever but that's just me i'm not a fan of the character not a fan of the, from the film so i'm still gonna listen to it on audiobook and i'm gonna i'm gonna see i'm gonna give it a, be an open mind like i always try to be and hopefully i'll like it
So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, the Y wing will will receive the respect it deserves. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and I'm hoping. <laughs> here's the thing. I'm just hoping from this the synopsis of the Queen Amidala book, ladies. I'm just a little. I'm a little nervous. It's going to be kind of a boring book. I'm well, really we'll, nervous. We'll get there. I don't think there have been any new announcements about Queen's Shadow, so you don't have anything new to talk about. Mark, it's going to be a couple months away. Yep. Yep, so we'll get to that when we get to that. I had a good transition. Oh, Y-Wings. Yeah, so speaking of spaceships, <laughs> let's talk about Resistance. Resistance. <laughs> so Star Wars Resistance has now been running for a couple months, and we've met Kaz, we've met Tam, we've met Yeager, and we've met the Colossus, this floating platform on which the story of the Resistance takes place. Who we have not really met, are the aces, <laughs> the characters who I thought this show would be about. So just to, uh, yeah. as a reminder, um, there will be spoilers up to the children from Tehar. We'll try to be vague about Signal from Sector 6, which is the, the most recent episode. So this, uh, what I want to kind of talk about first was first impressions. Um, I personally thought this was going to be much more of an ensemble show. I, I thought it was going to be more like Rebels, based on the marketing, based on the fact that each member of the Aces had their own video, and the cast had his own video, and I just thought it was going to be an ensemble. And it turns out that it's it's an ensemble, but not between those characters. It's Tam, Niku, and Kaz, mostly. And they do not, for me, have that same like found family charm that Rebels had, even in its early days. So, so far, I found this show to be oddly brisk. I, I watch it, I enjoy it, but I don't rush to it because I haven't yet found a hook in it that makes me really want to uh, be invested in it or be attached to a particular character. So, um... Paul, you've been watching from the beginning as well. Saf, uh, you kind of started watching recently. So what was like your first impression? <laughs> what? You should go with me last, honestly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I want Saf to go first. Okay. What were your initial wants and desires for this show? What did you think it was going to be? And what was it to you? And do you like it? Just a small, minor question there. Yeah, it's, it's an easy question. I don't know if I actually had any real expectations going into it or, like, anything I wanted from it. I didn't actually really – I forgot it was coming out so soon. Like, we got stuff about it, and then suddenly it was out and everyone was talking about it, and I was like, oh, right, I should um should get on that at some point. And so this episode made me actually get on that. Um, so I had no expectations. I had no wants or desires from this show. I just wanted to watch – Star Wars, I guess. I actually am really liking it. My first impressions are that it's really fun and cute, and I like the art style quite a bit, even though, like, earlier in earlier shows, I'm pretty sure I trashed the art style. Uh, it actually does look better in motion. Turns out, people were right about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. And it also has so much color, unlike Rebels, which I'm so happy about. I agree. I it looks I better in motion than I was. I was concerned it wouldn't, but it looks fine. Yeah, it probably helps that I watched The Dragon Prince on Netflix uh, when that came out, and it's got a similar style, so I've kind of gotten used to that style by now. I did have the expectation of like it being about the aces, so the aces not really coming in yet has been jarring, I guess. But I'm also okay with that, because I like the main cast quite a lot, so it's it's cool. Also, whenever Poe and BB interact, I'm just like, oh my god, this is amazing, because it brings me back to watching The Force Awakens again. Very good, very good. So... Paul, I think you and I are kind of 
on the same wavelength, which with mm-hmm. like we wanted to like this show a lot, and I'm really rooting for the show as I tend to root for most Star Wars things, but it hasn't quite grabbed either of us. So give me, you know, relatively briefly, what's your overall impression right now, and then we'll go into specific characters and things later on. Right. Well, I think the show is not terrible. Uh, it's it, it, so I'm, <laughs> I'm so. Yeah, so Megan, I'm going to go with my analogy I did when we talked the other day. So let's see if I can do this justice. Um, So I think of, if you looked at, like, uh, shows as, like, food, right? Um, In my opinion, this is, again, my opinion, because I know you don't feel the same way about the show specifically. The Clone Wars is, like, full-on, like, big, like, massive meal, like, Thanksgiving to me, right? It's, like, just... Give me everything. Now, granted, it's like a lot of seasons, so bear with me. But the whole idea of the show and what it does, it's like a Thanksgiving meal for me. It gives me all kinds of options and food, and it just give it to me. I get myself stuffed, and I'm just I feel great and bloated, and I feel you know like satisfied basically, right? And you can get Rebels. Rebels is kind of like going to like a good fast food place. It's not like you know, it's going to fill you up. It's not necessarily always going to be great. It's going to be inconsistent sometimes because fast food isn't always going to be like great. But in the end, it's it's like it's comfort food. It's it's good and it does its job. And you still go back for more because you love that specific food, even though it may not always be the best food. Does that make sense? And I would compare resistance to like a fun sized bag of M&Ms. It's not bad. It's pretty good, but you only get a few of it and it's not going to fill you up and you, you kind of take it or leave it. That to me is kind of like resistance. It's not bad. When I watch it, like Saf said, and I've and I've been on board with the animation style since the first trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. This looks good. Like, I'm actually surprised at how good it looks because we hear 2D. I'm thinking like I'm used to the 3D aspect of Clone Wars and Rebels. And I actually really like the colors and the designs of everything that we're seeing on the show. I think everything looks fantastic. To me, the problem is the stories just don't have a lot of substance to them. And again, it's not aimed at me, but it's just I just cannot get behind like getting excited about the show because there's nothing to really get excited about. And there's nothing wrong with with that. And it does and that's not what it's trying to do. It's trying to tell a story through one person's eyes, and they're trying to have lots of fun in the process, you know, trying to have a lot more gags and, and whatnot, and have it have the danger be a little more toned down. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, again, it's just, that's what it is. And it's, there's no, it's not really a, something that has like a lot of substance to it. It's not, doesn't mean it's bad. It's not, it doesn't mean it has not, doesn't have any good substance. It does it has plenty of good substance, but it's just not enough for me to get like, Oh, this is getting me excited. I can't wait for the next episode. There's nothing like that. And I definitely I th- find myself feeling like that in regards to Kaz specifically, because there's a lot of slapstick humor with him and a lot of kind of, uh, he's not, he's not portrayed as, as capable as Ezra was, which is actually good in a way. I like to see a character who is kind of not great at things. Like, I think 
people can identify with that. You're not always going to be in a situation that you're great at. He's stuck doing jobs that he wasn't trained to do. So, of course, he's not going to be great at them. But I also want a little more of, like, a personal stake for him. And so far, the show hasn't done a great job of getting me to care about what he cares about, which is, like, so difficult that the more... I learn about fiction the more I go it's just I don't want to say that the job that's being done here is a bad job because it's so hard to do this kind of work but just again as you said like me personally there isn't a hook for me Um, Kaz isn't like I'm not as invested in him as maybe I could be because his story seems to kind of keep interrupting himself. Just when one thing seems to be progressing, something else comes up that's not really connected to it. And I do love the idea of a low stakes story. Um, When the the announcement of the show first came out and they said it was going to be all based on one location, it's like, that's really cool. Like, let's get to know this location. I really enjoyed in the children from Tehar, the the turtles like living in the underbelly of the ship they were very weird i liked that yes their design was so it felt very um charming and quirky and like sort of miyazaki-esque i'm not quite sure where that connection is coming from so if i'm thinking of a specific miyazaki thing and i'm not sure what it is feel free to tell me what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just read read my br- read my brain and find the movie reference that I'm referring to. Thanks, but uh, I like them a lot, and we have to see more of the Colossus. But there needs to be a, an envelope, a story enveloping around all of that to tie it together, and that story isn't quite there yet. Yeah, and I imagine it will get there eventually. Um, but yeah, I'm not invested in Kaz himself. I, I had a moment while I was watching the show yesterday where I was like. Oh, I don't mind that they made the main character a dude anymore because he's useless. <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes sense that he's, just, you know, being a stupid teenage boy. But <laughs> I, I was think like, oh, I understand now. He's supposed to be 20 is the other he's thing. 20? He's I mean, 20 is still pretty young. He's supposed to be, I'm going to double check this real quick, but he is supposed to be considerably older than Ezra, which is another reason the slapstick is kind of, confusing to me yeah i assumed he was like 16 or 17 or something like that born in 14 aby uh i can't do star wars math this quick but 14 years before the battle of yavin and this is set i'm not gonna do the battle of jakku (laughs) that's all i know but Um, he is considerably older than ezra huh yeah okay he acts like the same age as Ezra, uh, but it is, again, a show aimed at a younger audience, so it makes sense. It reminds me, just, I, I always struggle with formulaic stuff, like extremely formulaic. My biggest issue with it is how much it follows the formula of other kids shows that aim at a similar audience. I feel like I could just swap out some of the characters and they would be the exact same characters from other shows. And that is my biggest issue with it so far, is how formulaic it is and how like not super original it feels at times, but I feel like the further along it gets, the more it'll branch out from that, hopefully. Either way, it is really fun. Like, I'm just having fun with it. I don't think I'm even going to get, like, super emotionally attached to this. And you can hold me to that, like, later on if I do get emotionally attached. But for now, like, I'm having a lot more fun with it than I expected. Yeah, the show is... It's, it's like, I, like I said, it's not terrible. That's the thing that's kind of disappointing about it, is that everything else is actually really good. The characters... I'd say Kaz is... is 
I'll be honest, a little obnoxious, but that's kind of the point of the character, I guess. So, but I love all the characters' designs. Like everything about the show, like looks and feels good, except the stories just are not like like a whole episode about man, I gotta fix this engine. Oh man, this engine's gonna fall over here. BB-8, come help me. And, and it's like, uh, 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 five minutes later, I'm going to still work on this engine. Uh, Jaeger walks by. Kaz, why aren't you working on this engine? Oh, God. Uh, uh, uh. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, I'm just like, I just not, I'm sorry. It's like, it's just, it does not, that does not entice me. And there's I not. I was really ready to be invested in Jaeger because that's the type of character that I like. The like grumpy old mentor who doesn't really want to be there. And I still like. The latest episodes, there are always like one-liners that he has that I really like. I think he's like really funny in that deadpan kind of way, and I was ready to be invested in like the older generation of characters. Um, but we still haven't gotten a ton about him. We did get that one glimpse of like he has a family somewhere. He has uh, like a, a wife and a child, so. There was some history with that somewhere. Or does he? Are they dead? We don't know. I really want to know. Are they dead? Are they part of an elaborately concocted backstory? Yeah, like, I want more of that. Why does he not want to get involved in rebellion stuff anymore? I want to know. How does he feel about some of the stuff that's going on? The the fact that he doesn't want to be involved in the resistance. One other thing that I really like about this show is that it is kind of giving hints at what's going on in the First Order. Um, Captain Phasma appeared in one of the episodes and spoke to Captain Doza and basically did what to me was like a mob shakedown, was like, you need to pay us protection money or else we're going to attack you, which um, I was, of course, really excited to see Phasma. I'm really glad for Gwendolyn Christie to be in that role. I just want her to have more to do because all she was doing right now was this like very in-character conniving speech, but it was still just a speech and a hologram. Like I want more for her to actually do. So what do we think about the other characters? Um, Niku is our other main character and he's the uh, the Nikto who's primarily co- comedic relief, I think. I think he's funny, but... I don't have too many other thoughts about that. I think cute character, kind of like Saf said, similar to the the funny one quote of other shows. What, what do you guys think? I, I think he's a, a good character. I think that he's, I think part of the problem is that Nico and Kaz are both, Kaz is like clumsy and, but tries to be not clumsy. And then you have Niku, who's just like the Drax, like the baby version of Drax. And so when you put those two together, it just becomes kind of obnoxious a lot of times. I feel like I'm watching Looney Tunes. I don't sometimes. think we've seen enough sincerity between them. We've seen a lot of. Yes, exactly. They, they're friends by virtue of they only have each other, which could be a really nice, like, sweet story. But we don't really see that angle. We just see they're both goofy and they hang out together. Right. There's no depth between them. Like they haven't sat down and said this is where really got or had an adventure together where like the stakes were high. Besides, Kaz, that's gonna blow up. Oh no! They would love to get into the deeper, like give them put them in a situation where like I don't want to say like a 
when uh callus and zeb had like that you know, or something like that would be cool like where they could really get into like what makes him tick his characters like why is he trying to like you know kaz trying to be away from his father or prove his father wrong and whatever 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 and like get deeper into that and also getting d- deeper in niku and like maybe why like maybe there's a reason why he's so positive and so you know whatever like maybe he's give me something you know like give me something with these characters and i'm sure they're going to eventually but it's just it's just not there you know and, and then we're not it's and i'm not sure we're ever gonna get that i think we will to be fair we are only like six episodes into the show so it's still early days i mean if you go back to the start of the clone wars it takes a while for it to get into that's actually true. telling a story that's good whenever i rewatch the show i'm just like wow those first seasons are real slow to begin with and rebels was the same like the first season wasn't super emotional or like super resonant when it comes to like my way of interacting with this thing i'm just enjoying it as the fun thing it is for now and if it does get more in depth i'll be happy about it if it doesn't i might drop it but i would be kind of surprised if it didn't because i don't know where it would go if it didn't i'm definitely enjoying it kind of one episode at a time right now like i watch it i have fun and then i move on you know i there's uh i think there's going to be a lot more to talk about as the season goes on There's already been some hints at things. I also wanted to make sure to talk about Tam because she is set up as Kaz's co-worker and he kind of stole her job. She was supposed to fly the fireball, I think. She was supposed to become a racer. Now Kaz is here and he wants to become a racer and he is doing all the same work that she did except worse and then getting in her way so i would like to see some more time for her to also like be able to breathe and be able to talk about what her history is and what makes her tick and i like her and kaz i think they are fun together but they are i get i just i want tam to get her due right i don't want kaz to be kind of walking all over her life by accident um and i think we probably will see more of her in the future yeah she wasn't a character that i we didn't start getting more information on until like recently was she the one that talked about doza when she was um you know kind yes. of got some get, got some insight with that which that was kind of see that was kind of interesting because her and doza had a relationship a friendship and they well, her were and, you're talking about her and like, it was phase on see i will say i have not got the names down obviously no phase on um the rodian and so when that was interesting and having that set up like oh they have a history like there's a reason like he kind of ditched her to be in the high tower and there's a reason like and they kind of touched on that a little bit and how is she still bitter about it i mean and again because it's a kid show i like the idea of dealing with themes of like abandonment with friends things that they can relate to that anyone can relate to, especially little kids and things like that. So I thought that was cool and also interesting. But again, not it's just not always there. But I will say, mm-hmm. I did. I to me, resistance started off weak, but has definitely gotten stronger over the last, I'd say, two episodes. It's really gotten a lot better, and I haven't seen the last episode yet either. I think that dynamic between Tam and Hype was a very good kind of signpost for where the show might go in the future, because whereas the Aces were, I expected them, again, this is, you know, my expectation is not necessarily, you know, everybody has different expectations, but so I had thought 
the aces were going to be portrayed as an ambitious, like something you were supposed to want to be, you know, the, the cool pilots. But instead, the first introduction to one of them in any depth is this is hype left his friendship because he he basically left her to go become an ace and they're she thinks they're stuck up and that they don't deserve to have you know nicer things just because they are they have the better ships and they do the better flying missions and i kind of wonder how much the show is going to interrogate that idea of they're inherently more valuable because they are on that team whether it's gonna come down on the side of they're not actually not better they just have better equipment and are happen to be at the top of the rung but they're they have all the same like pettiness as as anyone else and and more so because they are encouraged to comply with this system that sets them apart from others or is Kaz going to become one and it's going to become part of his heroic narrative you know yeah I agree I'm genuinely curious about where like the character dynamics are going to go in the future. I have not like that's the thing for me to show. I'm I will be pleasantly surprised if it pulls a Clone Wars or Rebels and gets better as a, as as far as in that level as the series goes on. I'm not sure the show is designed to go that way. Whereas I think Rebels, you can kind of see where I was trying to go and it had room to grow in that way. I just don't see Resistance being able to do that. And I'm not sure that's the the. I think Rebels was kind of meant to aim at a older audience. Not not saying it had to be like my age, but like a little bit older. And I think now they're going for a a lot younger gener you know younger generation or kids or whatever. And I don't know if it's built for that. But I'll be curious. I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance. But I'll be honest. I'll be shocked if Kylo Ren shows up. Oh yeah yeah. I think Kylo Ren is going to show up because there have been just hints. And because he's such, he's the Darth Vader of the sequel trilogy. He's the iconic character that they sell a lot of toys. So I think he's going to show up and I'm really looking forward to that. But hopefully that will actually happen. I don't know. Paul, you kind of answered this question already, I think. But it's a good one that you accidentally answered. So I want to pose it to Saf as well. Would you, and Paul, you can of course chime in if you want. Would would you recommend this show to people? If someone, an adult who likes Star Wars, um, would you say this is a show that, yeah, you have to watch or no, you shouldn't watch it all or eh, try it out and see if you like it. I personally am in that middle, that middle opinion. I definitely wouldn't tell anyone it's the show they have to watch. Like, if an adult asked me whether or not they would enjoy it, I would definitely base my recommendation on, like, what I know of them or ask them what they want to get out of it, because it does depend. Like, if you just want a fun Star Wars thing to watch, it's totally perfect for that. It's just fun. Um, If you want anything deeper or, like, more Star Wars lore or something, it is not not the ideal show for that at all. For a kid, I would definitely recommend it, though, because it's fun. And I'm excited to show it to many of you, because I think you'll like it. I wouldn't recommend it to, like, everybody. I'd recommend it to little kids, but not to people who like want to like get into Star Wars, like or not get into Star Wars, but like, oh, like for instance, one of my good friends who's a huge Star Wars fan, he hadn't watched Resistance yet. He goes, oh, is Resistance any good? I said, not really. Mm. And I would and definitely I just, say I think this is a one is one to like watch a couple episodes, maybe like binge watch the season when it's over, maybe. 
and then you, you know, spend a while with it, and then you're done. You don't, it's not, it doesn't require a lot of thought, which is exactly what you want sometimes and is not at other times. Yeah, like, like I said, Seth made up a, gr- a great point and said, it's got, it has to have room to grow, and I'm willing to give it a chance. And it's, but like I said this yesterday too, I'm willing to give it a chance, but the only reason why I'm giving it a chance at all is because it's canon. That's the only reason why I'm watching it, because there's if it was let's just say if these were all Lego characters and it wasn't canon, I would not watch this show, period. Canon's the only way they can get it for me to watch it right now, to be quite honest, it's because I, I do want to know what kind of little tidbits are going to put into the galaxy that they're going to try to keep consistent with Poe Dameron, with BB-8, with the fact that what the First Order is. That's that's my biggest draw to the show is the fact I want to know more about the First Order because Episode 7 and 8 have barely done that themselves. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like... I, that's what the only reason why I'm watching. I'm just bearing with the me, the other mediocrity stuff that I don't really like because I want to know more about it. Now that makes sense. And I think if you disconnect all the things that are cool about this are the, the Star Wars centric aspects, right? Like Oscar Isaac is returning in next week's episode. Um, there are, you know, finding connections to other parts of the saga. I agree that if this was another brand or, or if that's, oh my gosh, I could get into such a huge discussion of whether this even could be an original <laughs> show. Like what, how many elements of this are inherent to Star Wars and how many elements of any show are inherent to Star Wars. But that's, I don't, I'm not prepared to have that conversation. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's quite a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do agree with you. Um, I think that's a good point. So I think we're all on the kind of like, eh, like watch it if it sounds good to you. Not going to guarantee anything right now. Uh, opinion. So we will be following up on this as the season goes on. We will continue to talk about it and keep you updated. So if you don't want to watch the show or if you do, either way, uh, we'll be here talking about especially the connections between it and other parts of canon. Uh, that's about all I have. Do any of you want to add anything else? I like the cool tall lady droid that works for Doza. She's cool. I don't know what her name is. They probably said it and I missed it, but she's a very cool droid. That is that is my thoughts on the show. I think her name is L8. Cause it, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Wow. Wow. I know. I want. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do like all the background aliens. There was a Nautilus with yeah. his headtails tied back behind yeah, his head. That was so cool. Which is just perfect. A plus, 100. percent That's resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Watch for the background aliens. There's also a lot of background Orbesh. If you like to read Orbesh signs, this is the show for you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for bearing with us, our, cha- our changing schedule. This is a Den of Geek podcast. You can find us on the web uh, at wherever podcasts are distributed or on Den of Geek itself. Um, individually, you can find me at blog full of words on Twitter. I also write for Star Wars Insider and StarWars.com. Saf and Paul. Who are you? Why are you here? Where can I find you? So I'm Wanderlustin on Twitter, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. I also run a podcast network at notsafwork.com, and you can find stuff I do on Twitter, mostly. Um, <laughs> I released an ebook of my serial recently, uh, which is pinned on my Twitter at the moment, if you want to read some weird fiction. And it is called Tourist. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations, boy, Seth. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. You can also check me out on other podcasts such as 
Marvel newscast where me and Sean break down all the latest uh, movie news of Marvel uh, Studios. Obviously, there's going to be TV shows coming up with Loki that was just announced. Um, we also have a cool Patreon there going on. And we uh, do lots of other cool stuff sh- or, or for shows. Like we do a, a comic book club every month, which is my favorite cl- uh, show to do, to be honest, because I love comic books and we talk about comic books. So uh, anyway, check us out on there. I have another podcast I do with, with my friends from uh, The Saga Continues. Also check me out on there as well. Great. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening and tune in next month. Done. Bye-bye. Done so. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 